Thanks for listening to the High Street Young Adults Podcast. For more information and how to get connected, check out highstreet.org slash youngadults. Hey guys, welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm glad to be here tonight. How about you guys? Listen, one thing that I learned this week especially was that I have some good, good friends. Uh, I have a lot of people that text me today like, hey, I'm praying for you. I'm really excited. Uh, This is going to be encouraging. And I was encouraged by that. How many of you are here today because you got invited by a friend, right? You guys have good friends. So clap it up for them. Listen, I recognize that some of you may be looking at me like, who is this guy and what what is he doing up here, right? So... I feel like anybody who meets me, uh, I should come with disclaimers, okay? I should come with warning messages. And so two things I want to be able to uh, introduce us to tonight, just so we know where we're at, is um, one, I'm originally from the greatest city on earth. Uh, Like Jared said, New York, but to be more specific, Brooklyn, okay? I'm from Brooklyn, not just New York. God brought me here to go to BBC. And I got one year left there before I go home and plant churches. So I'm really excited about that. I love High Street and I love what we're doing at Young Adults. So when Jared asked me to come up here, I said, listen, absolutely I would. Uh, But again, I know myself well enough to know, first of all, I didn't grow up in church. Okay. That's not my story. And so as I talk about the Bible tonight, you may hear me say some crazy things. You may hear me talk about the Bible in a way nobody ever has before. And so just be prepared for that. And then two, I like some responses. So let me hear you say, okay. Okay, exactly. It's okay to engage with the speaker, okay. So if you hear something, you're just like, bang. All right, feel free to let it out. But with that being said, I just want to ask you a quick question. What if you're here for a reason tonight? What if God brought you here for a reason tonight? What would you do? What would you say? What would you think? What would you feel? I'm sure we've all heard that before. We're all here for a reason, right? Everything happens for a reason. And those are cliches because they hold a lot of truth to them. And maybe you believe that sometimes. But do you believe me now? Do you believe me when I say you're here for a reason? Maybe. Maybe not. If you do, if you believe me when I say you're here for a reason tonight, thank you. I appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate your trust. And I appreciate that you trust your friends and God's word enough that you want to come here and check it out. So hold on to that as we go through it together. But if you're sitting here and you're thinking, you know, I'm just not here. I'm just not here yet. I don't know if I get what's going on yet. Just give it a chance. Try for this moment to suspend your disbelief, to put away your doubts, uh, to get your thoughts together and just open up and listen. Today we're going to be going through a little scene in the book of John. Uh, It's going to be in chapter 4. If you got your High Street app, feel free to open it there. Uh, If you got a Bible with you or if you got the handy dandy U version on your phone, feel free to open that up too. Uh, We're just going to pray and then get into it, all right? God, thank you for the opportunity to be here tonight. Thank you for the opportunity it is to open your word um, and be able to learn together what you're going to have to say to us. 
God, I pray for every friend that is in here because they were invited by a friend. I thank you for the faithfulness of those who invited, and I thank you for the willingness of those who came. I pray you speak to all of us tonight. In Jesus' name. All right. So we're going to be in the book of John, like I said, chapter 4. If you're not familiar with the book of John, it's one of my favorites. Uh, it's one of the Gospels, which means it tells the story of Jesus' life and ministry, written from the perspective of one of his closest disciples, John. Did you know that John had a specific reason for writing this Gospel? We're going to get to that later, but I just want to let you know that it's probably the same reason that God brought you here tonight. John had a reason for him writing, and I'm sure it's the same reason God brought you here tonight. But let me, before we launch into the story that we're going to talk about, let me ask you guys a question. You ever been hated on? Listen, you ever just know those people that are negative in your life or at school and they only pass out the negative vibes, you know what I'm saying? There's people who just have this dark cloud that hang over them. I think we all know somebody like that. And maybe, maybe you're one of those people, so again, you know. But uh, one day... You guys might get to meet some of my family, uh, and you might get to meet my brother Brandon. Br my brother Brandon is a really nice guy. You can see from there, he's taking a picture at the gym. He's a well-built dude, you know what I mean? And he's smiling in this picture, but let me tell you something. Brandon is the king of killing the vibe, okay? <laughs> if, if there was ever a happy feeling around him, Brandon wants to squash it. And so... There's a, there's a couple of stories that just stick out in my mind because uh, obviously he scarred me, you know what I'm saying? He's my younger brother, but he's done a lot of damage. Um, there, was, there was one point where uh, our basement flooded because the boiler broke and basically our basement was all flooded. There's carpet down there. So listen, the water got in and it stank to high heaven, all right? And so we lived down there, uh, me and two of my other brothers. And as we were cleaning up the basement and, and making progress, I wanted to express like, hey, man, I, I feel good about this. Like, look around us. This was once underwater, but it's amazing, right? And my room is clean. This is pretty cool. But then Brandon would just come around the corner and pop his head in and say, your room still stinks, though. <laughs> right? Or there was one time where uh, I, I had been working out. I feel like I'm constantly in a state of losing weight. Anybody relate? All right. All right. Fine. I'm constantly in a state of trying to lose weight and making New Year's resolutions, making quarterly resolutions, making summer resolutions, and I'm working out, I'm feeling good, I, I come home after like a week of consistent working out, and I'm just like, Brandon, listen, I'm, I might catch up to you, bro, like this, this is, I'm, I'm feeling good, I'm looking good, and he's just like, you still got a ton of weight to lose, though, and this is exactly how he sounds, by the way, I'm, I'm not making this up. And so Brandon is, just, Brandon is just the king of killing the vibes. And he's, a, he's someone that I would describe as a hater. That's not his only quality. That's not his only trait. Please don't hold on to this. If you ever meet him, he's a great guy. But uh, he reminds me of some dudes that Jesus had that were definitely haters in his life. You know what I mean? Quick segue. Uh, Jesus had more than his fair share of haters. But unlike us... Unlike me, when Brandon comes up to me and starts just, nah, 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 uh, Jesus would hear those haters. He would hear the opposition that comes against him. And he wouldn't, he wouldn't seek isolation. 
He wouldn't seek to run away from the crowds. He wouldn't seek to dive deeper into himself and just work on himself. He would love others even harder. And he would chase others even harder. And so this is the scene that we happen upon in John 4 when Jesus encounters the Samaritan woman. These people are chasing Jesus around. Uh, their names are Pharisees, right? And they were the religious leaders at the time, and they thought they were super high and mighty and that they knew better. And so they would follow Jesus around anytime he did something good. For example, when he healed someone on a Sunday, and they said, hey, you can't do that on the Sabbath day. We're supposed to rest. And Jesus said, come on, man. What are we doing here? Come on. So they would follow him around and just constantly bicker and hate on him. And so when he heard the mumblings of the Pharisees this time, he decided to leave and head towards his home region. But he didn't take a comfortable route. The Bible said that he had to go through Samaria using a path that many Jews, especially the religious ones like the Pharisees, would have avoided. You see, the reason why Samaria is important is because, just like Aaron said last week, all throughout the history of the Bible, Samaritans reminded Jews that they had been unfaithful to God. And so when Jesus was traveling, he was going, getting ready to go to his home region in the north in Galilee. That's the yellow part. And he was coming from the orange region of Judea. Now normally, a good, devout, religious Jew who wanted nothing to do with the Samaritans would take the long way around. They would cross the Jordan River into the green and pur purple regions and then go up into Galilee just to get around Samaria. So Jesus... Being as religiously devout a Jew as any that was on the planet at the time, could have very easily gone around to a much more traveled path. But the Bible says that he had to go through Samaria. Why? He didn't take this route out of convenience. He took this route with a purpose. So we're going to start off in John chapter 7, I mean John chapter 4, verse 7. And I'm just going to give you guys a quick summary. It says, a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Now, pause right there and just imagine with me for a second that you are getting ready to go on a long day's journey. And uh, maybe you want to just get a drink of water real quick. So you stop at the water fountain and there's this dude just leaning up against the water fountain like, hey, hey, give me some of that. How ridiculous is that? What would your response be? Wouldn't you be taken by surprise? So it says, his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And he comes up to this woman and says, give me a drink. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God, and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink. You would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Now again, let's, uh, let's suspend our Bible goggles real quick. Forget everything you ever learned about the Bible and about being uh, a good listening person right now. And just imagine that scene in your head. Jesus comes up to this woman, asks her to give him a drink. And she says, why are you even talking to me right now? 
And he says, listen, if you knew who was talking to you, you would ask me for a drink. How weird of a table turn is that, right? You, you would look at him and think, am, am I in the twilight zone right now? Like, what is going on? Who is this dude right now? But Jesus had something important to give to her, right? And so in verse 11, it launches in and says, the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep, all right? Where do you get that living water? What is this all about? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And again, Jesus answers her in probably the most confusing way you could. Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So I want to ask you a question. Maybe you're here tonight and you're thinking, what is this all about? My friend invited me and maybe they've been inviting me tons of times and I've been resistant to it, but I'm here now. What in the world is this all about? I'm hearing about Jesus talking to a woman at a well, and I'm not quite making sense of this. But put yourself in that woman's shoes. What if Jesus met you here tonight? What if Jesus met you directly? Would you be skeptical like this woman was? Or would you maybe be intrigued and, and would you serve first and then ask questions later? You have the opportunity tonight to meet Jesus. Jesus wants you to meet him. For some of you, maybe you're meeting him again with fresh eyes. For some of you, maybe this is the first real time you are hearing about and considering who Jesus is. The offer of eternal life that he's making to this woman, the offer of the living water, is the same for us all today as it was for that woman so long ago. So what if Jesus met you here tonight? Would you have objections? Would you be self-conscious? Would you think to yourself, I don't know if I'm, if I'm ready for all of this. You see, the woman was in the same position. She, she was not meeting Jesus though because she was righteous or she was perfect or she had done anything that warranted him coming to her. She was meeting her, she was meeting Jesus because Jesus saw her. In John chapter 4 verse 15, it says, the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. See, sometimes we get offered uh, a spiritual healing. We get offered a spiritual solution and we only look at it through physical eyes. So when this woman hears the offer of living unlimited water, she's not thinking about the eternal life part. She's thinking, oh, I never have to come back to this well again. I never have to make this journey. This is a practical solution for me. And so she tells Jesus to give her the water. But then 
uh, Jesus takes an interesting turn in the conversation. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. And here is where uh, I, know, I know that God is not uh, sarcastic and, and into throwing shade, but here's where I, I like to imagine uh, that Jesus says to her, you are right. Yeah, you're right, you don't have a husband. I know why. Because you've had five husbands. And the one you now have is not your husband. What you said is true. Mm-hmm. Right? And so here's the thing, though. This woman's jaw must have dropped to the floor when she made that reali- when she heard Jesus say that. She must have started wringing her hands and being like, oh, ooh, snap. Like, he, he caught me right now. What am I supposed to do? Right? But for some of us, and maybe for some of you sitting here right now, you're looking at this situation and being like, man, what if, what if Jesus said this to me? But I have another question to you. What if Jesus knew you already? What if Jesus knew your history? He knew this woman. He knew her history. He knew everything she had ever been through, every decision that she ever felt like she had to make because she was put in a tough position. And he knows the same for you. He knows your history. He knows your thoughts, your feelings, the places you've been and the people you've been with. He knows your struggles and mistakes. He knows your private calls for help when you don't know where else to go. And still in all, he wants you to know him. I think that all of us have five husbands, five things in our past that we're trying to get rid of, that we're trying to run away from, that we're trying to forget about. And we have a sixth that still plagues us to this day. I told you guys that I didn't grow up in church. I grew up in Brooklyn, and specifically I grew up in a part of Brooklyn called East New York. Uh, If you've been around cities long enough, maybe you've heard, the east side of a city is usually, uh, for whatever reason, pretty rough. And so I grew up in a similar situation. Um, I like to say Brooklyn is just like Springfield. Uh, It's about the same size area-wise, but they just pack about 3 million people in it. So, you know, completely the same. Um, And specifically in my neighborhood, I grew up in an area that's about one square mile, and they pack 90,000 people in it. Uh, It's a high-poverty, high-crime area. And for me... Growing up, it was all I knew. And you can't be Latino in New York and not be Catholic. So I grew up Catholic. And it was one of those things where my family just called themselves Catholic and we went to Catholic school. But we didn't go to Mass on Sundays. We didn't go for Easter. We didn't go for Christmas Eve. As far as things go, we were uh, pretty terrible at, at being observing Catholics. Uh, And all I knew about God growing up was that he really, really wanted me to behave. So as I started to get older and uh, good behavior started to be something that I struggled with, I was just waiting around for God to zap me. Did anybody ever felt like that? Like, no, just me? Okay. I was just waiting around for like one day I would be walking to school and then just drop dead, you know? Uh, 
but thankfully, that did not happen. So I lived in this constant fear of thinking, man, uh, what if, what if this is the last one, the last drop? And growing up, I loved my family. I would say that was probably my version of church. Every Sunday we would go to my grandma's house, cousins, aunts, uncles would all visit. But then one week when I was 12 years old on February 7, 2005, that all changed. My mother passed away. And after she passed away, it left a huge void in our family. And I remember in the week afterwards having people come into our house and flood our house to start praying for my grandmother, I mean for my mother to get into heaven. And I remember thinking, man, if good people get into heaven, my mom's the best woman I know. Like she's a shoot, first ballot hall of famer, like she's in, you know. And as these people were praying for her, that kind of started me on a journey of questioning, man, what do, why do I believe this? What's going on? And so I got the opportunity to move away from what I had known. I got the opportunity to go to boarding school for high school. And it was a great time, uh, mostly because I, I got to experience so many new things. Um, I don't know if you can tell, guys, but I don't look like the majority of you in this crowd today. And for me, uh, I like to say I always knew that white people as a species existed. Uh, but when I got to uh, Massachusetts... It was just a whole new ball game, right? And so I learned about hummus, right? <laughs> I learned about prosciutto. Like, it was great, right? And so I was learning all these new things, and I was being introduced to, to kids that were my age that had no reference to God in their lives. I had always thought, if you even say the word atheist, like, you explode, you know? But... These were kids my age, 13, 14, 15, that were saying, yeah, we don't really believe in anything. They weren't even superstitious. Like, growing up, if, if the light shined on you just the right way, you could at least say, like, oh, God's looking down on me, you know. Uh, but these guys didn't do any of that. And so I, to me, I thought, okay, no rules, no problem. Let's do it. So I, I dove into that life. And unfortunately, from 13 to 20, I chased after all the things that I wanted. I chased after validation from friends. I chased after uh, the fun that I thought could come from parties. I chased after drugs. I chased after alcohol. I chased after girls. And at one point, it left me uh, for the fourth time sitting on the edge of my bed in a jail cell in Cleveland, Ohio. Go Browns. <laughs> thinking, yeah, thinking. Man, this is not how I thought my life was going to turn out. This is not how I thought it was going to be. And I know something needs to change. I know something needs to, to change spiritually. But I don't know what that looks like. I just know it's not Christianity. And so I, I dove into trying to find other religions and philosophies. But then, wouldn't you know it, that, that time that I was searching was the time where I met the most Christians in my life who came up to me and who were willing to talk about the gospel with me. I'd be on my way to work and somebody would stop me in the street and say, hey, do you want to talk about Jesus? And I'd say, no, nah, I'm good, thank you. And uh, I'd keep going. Or I would be on the train and somebody would get up and start preaching and I'd put my headphones in and be like, come on, man. 
And I remember one night I was walking through my neighborhood and kind of just wrestling through some things that were going on in my life. And this guy across the street was sweeping in front of a church and he invited me in. And I thought to myself, at least it's a quiet place to sit down. And so I went in and sat down and a man who I now know is Keith, very nice guy, came up to me and said, hey, you look like you need to talk. Would you like to talk? And I said, absolutely not. <laughs> but Keith, undeterred, sat down with me and told me about Jesus. He told me that Jesus was God. He told me that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and raised from the dead again so that I can have eternal life with him. Much like this woman was experiencing at the well. And I thought to myself, my life is not worth what you're talking about, not worth the forgiveness you're talking about, not worth the new steps you're talking about taking. So I went home from that conversation. And I sat in my room later on that night. And I looked up and I said, yo, God, literally, if this is real and this Jesus thing is it, then I'm in. And that night on March 28, 2013, I gave my life to Christ and started a new one that he talks about. And you see, the story didn't start there. Jesus knew me already. He knew what I had done. He knew what I engaged in. But yet he still sought me. And he's seeking this woman. Eventually she catches on. She realizes that there's a special reason that she's having this conversation. And that she's face to face with God in the flesh. The Messiah come to save her from everything that she considered too lofty to get over. Did you know that this is the first person in the Bible that Jesus directly reveals himself as God to? And as he's in the middle of the conversation, his disciples come back in. And they, and they look at him talking to this woman, and they're kind of just looking around like, is he, is he like macking right now? Like, what's, what's going on? What's, what, why is he talking to this lady? And they're all confused, and they're muttering amongst themselves. But they don't even, these people that walked with Jesus, that are supposed to know the mission, the vision, all those things, are utterly confused. And so they wait to see what happens. The woman leaves this conversation and she goes back into town and she shares her testimony with the town. She says, come, look at this man who told me all that I've ever done. Surely he's the Messiah. And some believe. Some don't even need to go see Jesus. They say, you know what, I believe you. I believe you based on your testimony. But some, as a matter of fact, many go out to meet Jesus because they just needed to see, to be able to believe. And it says that many were saved that day because they went out and saw it for themselves. So the last question I want to ask you tonight is what if this is for you? What if you're sitting here and thinking, man, what, what's in this for me? There are four groups 
that I see in this story that maybe you find yourself in tonight? Would you consider yourself part of the Pharisees, part of the haters? Maybe you came in tonight just to shut your friend up. Maybe you came in tonight because you're thinking, ah, maybe, maybe this will make everything go away and I can point fingers and say, man, this didn't cure anything in my life and I can go on about it. Maybe you're just coming in here because you want to complain about what went on tonight. If that's the case, as we close in prayer tonight, man, I want you to ask for a softer heart. Think about the God that reaches across all of time, across all of your life to be able to have a relationship with you. Ask for a softer heart tonight. Or maybe you're like the woman at the well and maybe you're like the later group of Samaritans. Maybe you're kind of skeptical and you just need to see to believe. Maybe you need to have something to hold on to, to know that this God is real and that he is who he says he is and that this Jesus thing will work out for you. I would say as we pray tonight that you ask God to show you who he is in a real and unmistakable way. I was once there and God did the same thing for me. Maybe you're part of the early Samaritans. Maybe you're seeking and you're searching and you have questions and you're open so that you can respond the moment you hear something. Maybe you're just ready to believe in something. I would say as we pray tonight, ask God to confirm that pull that you feel in your heart. Ask God to confirm the, the seeking that you have in your mind. Or maybe, maybe tonight you're more like the disciples. Maybe you've been going to church or around church for a long time. Maybe you've been close to the action and you're actually too close to truly respond with an open heart to what God is doing. Maybe you're letting your experience get in the way. If that's the case, ask God for fresh eyes. Ask God for fresh eyes and a broken heart for those who don't know Jesus. Because the truth of all of this tonight is that God has you here for a reason. And like I said, I believe it's the same reason that John wrote these very words. You see, if you read to the end of the book of John, it says in John 20, verse 31, these are written, these words are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And that by believing you may have life in his name. And so if you are here tonight and you do not yet believe in that message, you haven't yet found yourself at a point where you say, I can understand this and I can follow this. Then again, ask God to reveal yourself to him in a true and mighty way. There are going to be people up here ready to pray with you.
and help answer any questions, help you understand anything in light of the gospel that you might be going through. But I pray that you believe on that word today. Let's pray. Thank mm-hmm. you.